0: Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello, and welcome back to Out With Dan. Today, I'm excited to talk to Stephen Salvatore about his book, no Perfect Places. Welcome, Stephen.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Dan.
0: Oh, I'm excited. This, this book is uniquely different to me, I think, a little bit. It's, um, it's almost as if it's a memoir, except it's a fictional uh, account. It's really, really interesting what you've done with the characters. Can you give us an elevator pitch? Oh, I
1: am horrible at elevator pitches, but I, <laughs> truly, truly, it is not a skill that I possess, but um, I, I will do <laughs> my best. Um, it is about twins, um, Ollie and Alex. Uh, it's a dual point of view, and it follows both of their perspectives as they navigate um, this landscape of dealing with their father who is incarcerated and then um, passes away in prison. Um, Ollie is holding on to a secret that they have a half sibling. Um, he has not told his sister, uh, his twin sister Alex, about their secret half sibling because she has been having a really hard time dealing with their father being incarcerated. And then once he passes away, Alex just kind of goes off the deep end. Um, and so Ollie really feels like he has to keep it from her. Um, their mom wants him to keep it from Alex. (laughs) Their father wants him to keep it from Alex. And so Ollie has a lot on his, on his shoulders. and everything kind of shifts when the secret half-sibling shows up in their idyllic lakeside town and shakes things up so that's that that's my elevator pitch i,
0: I think you practiced it to perfection that was really really good i'm trying i'm trying it's so,
1: <laughs> there's so many like different storylines and you know, things that I I feel like, oh, like, I need to say this. And, but then if I say this, then I have to explain this part more. And I'm like, how do I distill this down? So (laughs) that's like, that's my best version.
0: (laughs) Well, I think you did a great job at it. Writing uh, in a dual perspective, is that easier or more difficult? Which do you find it to be?
1: I would definitely say it's more difficult um, because you really have to craft two distinct voices while also like, you know, staying true to your style. Like, you know, my style of writing is I would say it's very distinctly me. Um, So, you know, I want somebody who has read my two previous books to pick up No Perfect Places and say like, oh, like, okay this is a Stephen Salvatore book, but it's very different because it has these two points of view and ollie and alex do sound different they do sound like two distinct characters um so in that way it's also very fun because like i'm not (laughs) just behind one character for the entire length of the book i get to jump into you know a different character's head every other chapter um so it's harder but it's more fun (laughs)
0: Well, and it's it's a great thing to read. So we have, you know, we have twins um, who are share a lot of similarities as twins do, but they're also very different. That how life has affected them gives them a very different character from each other. And then when you write in this this dual type of writing, we see like Alex has one thought about herself. Yet Ali has a different thought about Alex same reversed around. And I think that that for as a reader, it was very enjoyable. I would think it would have driven me bananas if I was writing that way. So (laughs) I think, I
1: think really like what it comes down to is that ultimately like both of these siblings want the same thing. They want to be seen by each other and they really do want to be each other's person. They want to be, not just in each other's lives, but like the best friends that they were before they drifted apart. But they, you know, Ollie has a very distinct notion of like what it means to be a brother to his sister. And he sort of has this, like he's in protector mode and he thinks he knows, he thinks that what he's doing is right. Mm -hmm. And Alex is like, 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 you need to stop. Like this is, it's not working. Like I love you, but you're overbearing and and you're trying to control things. And, you know, and she just needs to go on her journey and figure out who she is and figure out, you know, the world that she lives in, how it's fundamentally different than it was a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, obviously, like the secret that Ollie's keeping doesn't really help things um, <laughs> because there's there's this urgency with him, but also the sense of like, you know, from a reader's point of view, it's like, what are you doing, dumbass? <laughs> you know, like, you're keeping this like crazy secret, like, how could you do this? It doesn't make any sense. But like, when when you know you're carrying something that you know could like literally change mm-hmm. the entire landscape of your relationship with another person of how they view their family how like there's so many different um ways in which that secret can ripple out and and you know hurt Alex. It's like keeping it is going to hurt Alex, but saying it is going to hurt Alex just in very different ways. Precise. So, you know, it's like just playing around with that was really fun, but it was also really hard because it, it had to be so, so crystal clear what Ollie's motivations were and then why Alex didn't want to hear anything bad because she couldn't handle it. So that was, that was like, that was a struggle. That was, it was definitely a struggle.
0: Well, and you see, at least the reader, me, sees that they also take on characteristics of their parents. So mm-hmm. while the mom is out busting her hump, trying to, you know, put a roof over, food on the table, the whole nine yards, she leaves them alone without nurture because that's the way she feels like she has to do And in some ways, I feel like Ollie does the same thing in the fact that he gets so into his head trying to fix. So he's actually overcompensating. He's doing the opposite of what mom is doing. And of course, there is Alex stuck in the middle, ping-ponging and not understanding. And you do something with the characters that we see in real life. Sometimes you got daddy's girl and mama's boy, and in a lot of ways that's how your characters are in this book, and yet I find it to be extremely relatable. I don't find it to be manufactured. I felt like it was really quite normal for them to be like that.
1: That's and that's interesting that you picked up on that because it's not that is not necessarily something that I like cognitively thought of while I was writing. Um, but I can see that, you know, as you're saying it, like, I can definitely see that structure. And, you know, obviously, like, it was very, it was very intentional to have Alex be very close to their father that was mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. Ha- and Ali not be close to their father. Um so, but like I, I didn't really factor in the mom and how she sort of plays into those kind of parent-child, um, mo- mother-son, father-daughter kind of dynamics. But I can see how that how that shaked
0: out. One lovely thing that you did is you give Ali Khalid, who and their love story is just mm-hmm. so incredibly sweet. And it's nice to see characters who are out. And they are themselves, and have such a beautiful relationship. I just enjoyed that so very much.
1: Well, thank you. I it was something that I was very, very um, cognizant of from the start. Like I wanted this relationship because the the. First thing that I wrote, Ali had a boyfriend. Um, His name wasn't Ali, and and the boyfriend's name wasn't Khalid, but you know there were different names, and um, you know I had to find the right names to sort of fit them. Mm -hmm. But um, I wanted it to be not a source of conflict for Ali, but to have this relationship that is stable before the start of the novel and is continuing to be stable after the end. Um, And, you know, not having, not having, you know, the drama in the gay relationship, but rather like, this is the rock. This is sort of like the, the heart of Ali's story anyway, was really, really important to me. And I wanted to showcase that. And, um, yeah, it's not. It's not that their relationship is free of conflict. No, but rather that their relationship is not a source of conflict.
0: Well, and often, you know, in real life, we all have conflicts. So there is that thing that you know. How do you navigate it? And they navigate it together, which is a good thing. And then it, it's it's just really beautiful. So, uh, an off the wall question: Have you ever ridden in a hot air balloon? no
1: I, <laughs> it is as as um i i guess i would classify myself as a, a reformed thrill seeker <laughs> point, i i am you know i used to be somebody who was like yeah i'll do all of, like the the thrill things as long as like there's a fail safe you know like i'm not i'm definitely uh as much as I would say, you know, I love the thrills, I'm definitely risk averse at the same time. <laughs> so I'm, a little bit, I'm a little bit of a, a contradiction, but um, I have always wanted to ride in a hot air balloon. It is something that is on my bucket list of things to do. Um, so it, that that is, so, oh God, I would love to do that. I would love, 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 love that. <laughs> I feel like I would, you know, my, the older I get, I'm like, maybe I should do this before I'm too afraid. To do it because like i i find myself like mm, i don't know it's like a little too risky i don't know uh,
0: it has a basket so i think i could do it so.
1: <laughs> yes and there's a professional and like you know i would i feel like it would take a lot for the hot air balloon to go down and you, right? don't, you don't hear about hot air balloon accidents all that often so i feel like i'd probably be fine
0: in this book you give us um characters who are affected by an incarceration and i i kept thinking over and over when dad gets incarcerated he's incarcerated because he kept a secret he did something bad but he also kept a secret and that secret kept going. And I see how it affects all of the characters. And it's one of those things that when I think in the last year of reading, secrets seems to have come up so often, or at least for me, what I see. And I realized that, you know, when we do keep secrets like that, and the characters keep secrets from each other, how damaging it can be. And I thought you did a really great job with that.
1: Thanks. I mean, you know, it's hard. um, It's something that I I've not really seen a lot of is literature really of any kind that talks about like the impacts of incarceration on children, you know, like Mm -hmm. parents who end up in prison um, and what that does to, you know, their, their family members. Um, Because, you know, we can talk all day about, you know, the messed up criminal justice system, how it's unfair, how it's extremely racist, how, you know, it it, it unfairly targets so many marginalized um, groups of people uh, for, you know, various quote unquote reasons, right? Um, but what we don't really see a lot of conversation about is like, well, what happens to like, you know, the people who do end up incarcerated, like where do their kids end up? How does this impact them mentally? You know, like the mental health impact, not, and, and I mean, forget about like the financial impact, you know, like if you are raised in that like quote unquote typical two parent household, Um, What happens when one income, you know, is is gone, right? Mm -hmm, And then, mm -hmm. you know, the other parent has to pick up the slack. Um, Excuse me. And... You know, so you have that. And so like, that's something that, you know, is explored there with the mother working like three jobs just to <laughs> kind of, you know, make sure that they can pay rent. And, you know, you get you get um, the information that like they lost their house and they had to move a couple different times. And, you know, now they're in this really small apartment and, um You know, they're kind of reliant on other people, you know, like Ali is reliant on his boyfriend for a ride places, Mm -hmm. you know, because he doesn't have a car. Um, And Alex is the same way. And, you know, they are reliant on the people in their lives to provide like the same kind of comfort that their parents are supposed to provide because mom's working all the time. Mm -hmm. Dad's incarcerated and then he's not alive anymore um and you know what happens then you know when people are running their mouths you know about like oh well you this is this is what happened to your dad and so it's like you have like the normal high school experience but then you have on top (laughs) of that like oh (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna like say awful things about you because of something that your parent did or
0: Sorry. you that's all right (laughs) but it it is true and i I think you know in high school um when we're younger there is there are so many choices that we have to make and if you're bullied whether it's whatever the bullying is it affects us and we're trying to you know as younger people and even into adulthood we have to try to find our mind, what what works for us and how to how to get along in the world. And that's something that, of course, if you have an incarcerated parent is is really quite different than anybody else's experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: I did love the boat dock. It is something that is so beautiful.
1: The, um, I'm assuming you're, you're talking about at the, their former house. Yes. Yes. That, that as a location was, I think, I mean, for so many, there's so many like pivotal or important scenes in the book that take place at that dock. Um, and I mean, the. Just not that there's like a spoil, not a spoiler or anything, but the final scene takes place on that dock, and it's one of my, I think it's one of my favorite scenes in the book that I've written, um, and that to me was it was such a. There's so much symbolism packed into that. I'm trying like not to spoil <laughs> things because no, it's like not- literally the very last scene of the book. <laughs> but um, there's just a lot of um, there's a lot that that I I put into that, um, and that was really really important for me to get right. Um, not just as a location, but just as like a an emblematic moment in the book
0: it is it is done with love and care so it was very well noted so wonderful job on that well thanks again the book is called no perfect places do you have uh, an email a website uh social media you'd like to share yeah, absolutely. Um, my you can go to my website.
1: It's stevensalvatore.com If you want to contact me for any reason, there's a contact form on there. Um, my social. I'm really not all that active on Twitter anymore. I'm trying to. Uh, I've made it. I've made it my goal of 2023 to really not go on Twitter at all. I find it to be a awful place Mm -hmm. um so i but if you if you want to follow me there by all means steven ss writes um but i am very active on instagram and i post all the time um and that's steven salvatore
0: books perfect perfect thank you so much for joining me i had a wonderful chat thank you so much for having me i appreciate it this was so much fun and I Thank hope you
1: all enjoy No Perfect Places and go pick it up. And it's my third baby and I love her very much.
0: I totally agree with you. Go buy the book now. Yes. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com. On Twitter at outwithdan, Dan and on Instagram and Facebook at go out with dan this podcast is hosted by authors on the air global radio network and the theme music is provided by bensound.com join us again soon for the next episode of out with dan